everybody, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. With me today is a woman who you may have heard covering the Olympics this summer with Grant Wall. It's Christine Cupo, who is now here to talk about maybe the Olympics if she wants to, but mostly Juventus. Christine, how you been? Um, great. Thank you for having me back, Taylor. I am super stoked for the season. Um, ready to go. What was your favorite thing from the summer? We had... I believe 37 different tournaments, so could be any number of things, but I'm wondering what, what sort of in the summer of soccer was the thing that stood out the most for you? Euros. Yeah? <laughs> Absolutely Euros, yeah. I mean, I feel like for a chunk of time there, I was just pouring all of the soccer directly into my eyeballs 24-7, and I was starting to be able to like distinguish between what tournament was what, yeah. and it just bled into each other, but... Um, the Euros were definitely the high point. I said from the beginning, like an absolute lunatic, that Italy was going to win, and everybody told me I was wrong. And well, I <laughs> we decided, yeah, decidedly spent the final sitting at a predominantly English bar, <laughs> Fun. where uh, yeah, my my celebration was a little bit dampened by um, really just ornery Englishmen <laughs> trickling out of a bar, cursing to themselves under their breath and um me clapping alone but you know whatever we we choose our battles i it was a character character building moment for me I, well i'm glad how much random soccer were you watching as a result because i think i definitely had that same experience of really being ready for games to be over because like oh, i was the third one i've watched today and when you get to the 89th minute there's that element of like it's gonna be over soon what's next and i did find myself watching like bolivia games in copa america and maybe teams that i yeah, would have everything... otherwise been checking out Exactly. You're like, wait, what thing was I just watching? Am I watching Copa America? You're like, okay, I'm going to watch Euros during the day. Then I'm going to watch Copa America at night. And then I'm going to pivot. And you're like, what, what CONCACAF like weirdness is happening? Um, like, give me my like late night MLS back. Like mm -hmm. it just, it yeah. was a lot. And then like rode that into <laughs> the Olympics where I found myself waking up at 4am oh, more yeah. times than I would have liked to. So I took uh, definitely took the last couple of weeks off to just stare at the ceiling in silence. Was that your first time covering a tournament in that different of a time zone? Were you sort of having to figure it out as you went along? Yes, because I always had the luxury of like watching it like a sane person later on in the day and avoiding yep. just the score lines. And so it was we were recording that reaction pod literally right after the whistle and some of those games you know between like our time in the summer of extra time where no game actually finished in 90 plus change um it just was it was a lot it was a lot to take in let's put it that way <laughs> yes uh, for on our end like ryan is usually pretty okay even before he moved to london when he was here on the east coast he was definitely okay with like pretty early morning recording sessions Joe will wake up at like 5 a.m. to record an episode because he is uh, a maniac. I am definitely the one who is maybe like, we could wait an hour or two if we wanted to get caught up on sleep. Which of you between you and Grant, like who was the one who was kind of like, we got to do it right afterwards versus like, maybe let's get some sleep and talk later. I I think that, yeah, Grant was probably the driver because I definitely, the the, the state that I was in, which was definitely like heavily medicated but very much still sleep. Uh -huh. uh, by the time we'd get to like that 6 a.m. mark, it was like um, lights are on, nobody's home. I'd just be <laughs> blinking, like blinking into the camera, like, okay, let's, yeah, let's, 
let's do let's it. Do or I'd be like, I'm, I'm ready to go for the next four hours. And we'd get through recording the pod and I would crash immediately after I'm like, right about that. I'll see everybody around dinner time when I'm fully rested. It's, it's such a like, I've said this before, and I'm not trying to complain because I am not a coal miner. That is a difficult job. But it is a strange <laughs> thing where you have to be so locked in on a game so you know exactly what's happening and maybe you're rewatching. And if you have to watch multiple games and then you're talking and you have to be really locked in and focused to have a conversation that isn't just kind of meandering and rambling. At the end of recording sessions, I often am like very physically energized because i've basically been sitting watching stuff all day and my body really wants to go do things and my brain is just mush uh do, if you've experienced that how do you get over that do you just make yourself get outside and do something i did experience that but i also doing just like the prep for the games mm -hmm. just so you have an idea of like what maybe if there's a story with a particular player that you kind of want to focus on or stuff like that that like i definitely did that you're like, okay, I'm all ready. And uh -huh. like, I have my notes and I have everything ready to go. And then you're just kind of like holding a coffee mug in the dark, like ready, like I'm, I'm awake. Uh, and then you get to the half and you're like, okay, I could run through a wall now because <laughs> I'm so focused. But yeah, I, I would determine basically once the, the game was over and we got done what we had to do, whether or not I had enough fuel in the tank just from uh, serotonin, you're yep. like, oh, I feel good. Or I feel really bad. And like, we're going to run on rage fumes for a few hours to just tackle the things that you could get done up front like a normal person because everybody else is waking up at that time. You know, yep. like business as usual, like let me fire off these emails and take care of what I need to so that maybe this afternoon I can catch a nap. But that last the bronze match, I mm. powered through the whole rest of the day. Wow. Um, and that was, yeah, found myself at like the 1 a.m. hour on the other side, uh, just kind of dragging myself home. <laughs> Well, that's good. And yeah. then I'm, I'm glad you got to rest and recover. And now you're here to talk to us about Juve. Uh, when last you were on the show, still a few games to be played. Things were <laughs> not optimistic, but I think you were feeling slightly optimistic about the end of the season. And it did end up working out. They make the Champions League. But things have changed since then. Uh, how are you feeling now, broadly speaking? Uh, I'm feeling good. I honestly, obviously... The last season, the only thing that I think I got, I won't say I got it wrong, but I got everything right in terms of my predictions for what would happen that we'd stay in Champions League that um, that we'd manage to scrape through. Uh, I kind of was still on the like, maybe you give Pirlo more time, like outside of a major pandemic event. Um, but I understand the move to uh, move back to Allegri. So I think that for one, that instills confidence because we haven't made a whole bunch of significant roster changes, um, but we did get some impactful players in. So we recently signed Lucatelli, and I couldn't be more happy about that. Um, and then we also got Kayo. So we've got some extreme youth because that kid's only 19 for a forward, bringing him in, which is totally in line with what Allegri likes. He likes young players. He wants to, to go. So that means there's probably going to be a whole lot ahead that's going to need to change in terms of like think about our extremely formidable defense but their ages and things like that so all time right. will tell I'm, i i want to get into some of those acquisitions and some of the players who might be on their way out including one american player who i, I no, am now incredibly nope, anxious about absolutely not no nope. okay that makes me happy <laughs> but uh, uh sticking with the pure low point for a second because it doesn't end like as 
horrifically as it could have. If you're not winning any silverware, you're missing out of the Champions League, that is definitely grounds for dismissal. In the end, he is uh, sent packing. Allegri comes in. Looking back, are there things that you think were sort of obvious mistakes from Pirlo? If he had a do-over, are there things that you think he definitively does differently? Yes. So for starters, and it's funny because this will always be, there will be some divide here always, 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 always. But um, the intense criticism that he got about not trying anything, not changing anything, not which is just preposterous, because I think that for Pirlo, looking back, he would probably be more consistent because he was changing things game over game over game over game, which I think ultimately didn't serve him either. Um I think that he needed to just find something that worked and like that just wasn't available to him. And and yes, some of it was out of his control because who knows who's now going to get COVID that you're not going to be able to use or unexpected injury just due to the, the fixture schedule being so intense. Um, So he had more challenges, I think, than, than most typically do, especially for um, essentially your virgin season as a, you know, massive club manager. But he has uh, departed Max Allegri back in. I can't remember if that was the manager that you were leaning towards when there was the discussion of like who should replace Pirlo if he goes. I don't think anybody was brazen enough to suggest that Conte might be available. Uh, in the end, he was, but that's not the way they went. So were you okay with the Allegri hire? Um, I'm extremely okay with the Allegri hire. I just feel like probably similar to some other Juve supporters that um, – we kind of we wasted two years Mm. right because what what did we actually accomplish since his dismissal other than paying him a bunch of money while he vacationed and then pulling on sorry so with allegri his his final season i think it was really just that he he won the league right which wasn't atypical he had like a really decent five-year run um, but lost Copa Italia for the first time in, in those years. And then they got bounced from the Champions League quarterfinal by um, Ajax. Um, oh, yeah. But all in, when when he was there with them, he had two Champions League Juve finals in him that unfortunately they lost. But um, I, I think that they just decided at that point that there needed to be changes made. And maybe they were right, or maybe he just needed a little bit of a break or some assistance that they weren't providing them at the time. So hopefully it was more of a, um, at that impasse that maybe, you know, it wrong time, wrong place kind of a thing. And maybe this will be a better go at it because I mean, Allegri served as well. He really, he did. Um, I don't know what this is going to look like this time, but hopefully he's had the time now to just have some introspection about what could have been done better then. Um, and then maybe the utility of different players now will will push us ahead. I, I don't think that we're working at a disadvantage at this point, though, comparatively in light of the broke boy summer that <laughs> Syria and other leagues are having. Because, um, I mean, Inter essentially had like a fire sale, which they basically kneecapped themselves. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. Mm. <laughs> So Allegri, though, like is a manager that I think of as having a lot of success, maybe not to the level that was required when he was sacked by Juve the first time. Do you have any idea why he never went elsewhere? Why he basically was kind of in waiting for the Juve job to open back up? Because 
it never made sense to me why with so much turnover, so many changes at so many different bigger clubs or big clubs that that wasn't more of a consideration. Yeah, I don't I don't know why. I don't think that he had. I mean, let's put it this way. If Mourinho is still hireable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think that he necessarily was just lying in wait for um, Juve to rehire him. I think he probably was just taking his time to figure out what exactly he wanted to be doing where um, he certainly wasn't trying to generate income. He didn't have to, he had the luxury of that, which is great. But, um, but I think that the relationship between he and like Juve in general, the ownership managers and otherwise um, front office was always pretty decent. So, and how could it not be right? I just think that at that time, the expectations were astronomical and um, he just wasn't meeting them. And I think that this is kind of like the going back to your ex of <laughs> managers because he realized that like the grass was not greener. We have not done better. I don't think that we've really had any sort of forward trajectory since him. So you went for like the older man who's kind of cultured and smokes. Then you went for the, the younger, <laughs> the younger pretty boy. And now you're back to, to the, the tried and true tested love. Is that what we're getting at? I love how kindly you've labeled. Sorry, like the older man. I'm like the chimney that stands on the yeah, line. I, mean, and I didn't want to go with like you're yeah. dating a grandpa, but like yeah, I mean <laughs> a, sm- a smoking, semi ill tempered grandpa. But yeah, that's that's kind of what you may flirted with for a while. Yeah, yeah, we we they ran the gamut and they decided we we perhaps maybe maybe miss miss our our one truer love at the very least. But yeah, I mean there was no way that. Um, the expectations that you would have for Allegri, who's had a very lengthy career and seen a lot of success, was going to be the same for Pirlo, um, nor for Sari. So it's just been an interesting trajectory um, because I think that, like I said, like it just kept becoming like, oh, an impetuous business decision that maybe wasn't the best at the time. Now let's fix the problem. Um, very uncharacteristic of Juve itself. Um, in the past, although now in light of the somewhat defunct Super League and other um, financial issues that have been exposed, um, I think it makes a lot more sense, some of the decisions that were made within the last couple seasons. Speaking of the somewhat defunct Super League, uh, that is the other like sort of looming thing in my mind. How is the kind of fan sentiment towards the ownership, towards the decision makers, Basically, with the failed Super League, with how that went down, but then with also Juve's like reticence to remove themselves from that conversation, uh, do you think fans are more on board for the start of the season? Not with the Super League, but just with the club as a whole because of the return of Allegri and maybe a sense of normalcy? Or is there still some lingering bad feelings from last season? I think that, yes. I think that everyone is, is pretty much on board from what I've seen. I think that... Um, Somehow, and I'm I'm not part of this chunk of the population, um, people had sort of focused more in on like, oh, FIFA, Seferin, they're, they're villains, and this isn't Juve's fault kind of a thing. That wasn't my perception, so um, I can't speak on their behalf, but that seemed to be a lot of the dialogue that I ended up getting wrapped up in, at least online. And so coming out of that, um, so Juve came out, to a lot of them unblemished. And so they're just sort of like, okay, season season's happening. Like, let's go. Um, which is kind of interesting. 
Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I don't know if I would go that way with it, but I'm glad that people are happy to have football back. Uh, with Allegri back, I'm going to assume that there are players who are maybe in, in more favorable positions or players who maybe were on the outside looking in, and then there are some players who maybe will find themselves surplus to requirements. Uh, who are the players you think are most happy to have Allegri back or are most happy to have a fresh start? I think that will absolutely include... So I think that that's going to help Dybala a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that doesn't mean that he, it's, he's out of the same sort of contention he was in last season with, like, how are we going to do this, like, front three? Um, I think that'll still be interesting. But um, I think that he he does work well with Allegri. I think that as long as he stays healthy, knock on all of the wood, um, it should be okay. Um, I think that... Um, obviously Locatelli, he really does like McKinney. Um, so hopefully that I, the only way I see, and I know everybody right now is focused on like, Oh, McKinney's going to get sold, et cetera. There's Bayern rumors. There's a myriad other clubs that are allegedly looking at him, um, would be, I think from a financial perspective, but I don't see how that would pan out well tactically, especially with Rabio is still out injured though, should be okay-ish soon. Arthur will be out until at least October. Um, Ramsey, God bless him. I love that man so much, but he's just made of glass. Um, and then the rumors about Pjanic coming back. Um, he was not great with Barca. Also not great under Sari. I think it would be a terrible decision. Um, so getting rid of McKinney, who they optioned to buy because they were bound to trigger his uh, loan clause sooner than later. Um, I don't, I don't really think that would be the wisest move. I think that in terms of, um, work rate and versatility, he's probably one of the few box to boxers that they have. And I think that Allegri appreciates that. So unless his hand is forced because they decide they would rather make money, um, I don't see him going anywhere. From what we saw of Allegri's UV teams in the past, where do you think McKenney presuming he is still there and is getting minutes, where do you think he fits into the kind of formation, the tactics that Allegri prefers? So I think that right now everybody's kind of pointing to like the ideal scenario because the midfield has had issues. That's without question um, is people are saying like Rabio, Arthur, Locatelli would be like the ideal starting scenario. Um, but I think that you could also flip Rabio for McKenney. Um, and see the same success. Now, what you do with the front line attacking, like, who's to say? Because then you have the pool of, you know, Ronaldo, Dybala, Murata, and now um, Kayo, who we'll, we'll see. Like, I don't, I don't really see the kid doing too much. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but when Murata is good Murata, <laughs> um, he's super effective. Super effective. Um Ronaldo's Ronaldo, and hopefully he'll continue to be Ronaldo for the rest of the season. He's only got one more season in this contract, so the expectation that he'd extend that, extremely doubtful. Um, I think that that's going to be the uh, Ronaldo conundrum that they have to reckon with because um, the more reliant you become on him um, and the less effective he is, the more you're going to have to figure out, one, like now especially with liquidity, who you can get in there to serve at least at least part of that role. So um, we'll see. But yeah. like in the, in the past, like Allegri has done sort of 
4231 and that's served to like sort of balance and and great adaptability um but we shall see he seems to be tinkering around a bit and i think that that will finally give us the edge that we needed last season where we had an inexperienced manager um so i I think i feel good i feel good i'd give them like a seven out of ten i feel good about this season uh, so you mentioned when Avar Morata was good, Morata. Uh, what does good Adrian Rabio look like? Because I think, I, I will say, I think I have a bias against him from even before he signed with Juve from his PSG days. But then there's the stories about his mother. There have been stories about his mother, but also stories about him this summer and, and his kind of personality quirks, such as they are. And, and there are reasons for them, which makes me feel very bad every time I've made fun of him to learn maybe why he is the way he is and his mom is the way she is. But what does Adrian Rabiot bring to this Juve team? Because you're absolutely right. When we had David Amoyal on the show earlier in the week, he said his most likely midfield three was uh, Rabio, Locatelli, and McKenney. And it just seemed like everybody says Rabio is going to be in there, which stands to reason he will then. But I, I think because I don't watch him as much or maybe just have that slightly negative bias towards him, I don't watch him with maybe a neutral eye. So for somebody who potentially does, what are the kind of strengths that he brings to that midfield? I feel like you're not alone. For some reason, (laughs) Rabio is like very divisive. Like you don't have anybody that's sort of like, yeah, like I love Rabio or like, I can't stand that man, but more so like, what is his point? Or a lot of people that just legitimately did hate him from PSG days. (laughs) (laughs) And now I feel like it's just legacy. I'm like, all right. No, like Rabio. Um, the problem is, I won't even say his strength. I think his biggest problem is consistency. And so um, the reliability needs to be there. And I think that when he is that player, which we certainly need, like just general dis- distribution, like being able to like work a pivot and otherwise like, he he's that guy right and and i understand why people keep saying like oh rabio arthur lucatelli me i probably side a little bit more with david but that also goes to probably my biases <laughs> and just favoritism for mckinney i think that um if he could be the player that he was last season under pirlo at 22 years old and still um excel and achieve then I'm excited to see what he can do under Allegri. <laughs> All right. I think that was a very diplomatic answer. So well done by you. Uh, and then with Weston McKinney, <laughs> like you're, you're telling me I don't need to be nervous. That makes me very happy because those rumors don't make a ton of sense to me for the reasons you've mentioned, including signing him on a permanent this summer to then sell him does seem strange. I guess there is a demand for him potentially. I think there's always the American marketing side, but also there's the performance aspect too. When should American fans be nervous, do you think? Because like with Christian Pulisic, as soon as he doesn't play a game for Chelsea, the anxiety tends to go up. But if he doesn't start two in a row, it gets way higher. Uh, with Weston McKinney, we've already heard Allegri say like people are going to be rotated. Even Ronaldo's going to be ha- have to be okay with sitting games. So there will be some of that for him. But when would you be concerned? I think that, okay, so realistically, the skill set that McKinney has is, to me, invaluable. I think that he's a great asset to the team, and therefore that makes him a very attractive player to other clubs as well, as it should, right? Um, I think that the greatest threat 
for him to leave will be financial, strictly financial. I think that um, Allegri has an affinity for him and that's fine and well. And I think that's great, right? Um, He's cheering for him in off season, like, you know, get 10 goals or whatever, which to me is adorable. Um, But I would like to see him thrive under Allegri and see what happens there. I think that the panic will come um, probably, and this is him staying the course, right? Um, the panic will come if he's played less regularly than he would have, um, minus the hip injury, etc. Um, I think that if you see sort of um, an equitable division of time between, say, like him and Rabio, or or he's playing as sort of Arthur for a while, I think that I'll be okay with that. But I think that once everyone's healthy, if you see that sort of diminish, I think I'll be a little bit worried. I think a question I probably should have asked up front is like, what do you think are the expectations for Allegri? Because that does then inform what this squad looks like as we go through the season. If it is to win right away, then you have to look at sort of who he's putting in positions to allow that to occur. If it's more build around youngsters, sort of get some of the bigger contracts out and some of the more veteran players out and, and revitalize the team, there's always going to be an emphasis on making the Champions League and having success because it's Juve, they have the, the prestige and the reputation they do. But do you think it's more win right now, win the title, go far in the Champions League? Or if he doesn't win the title this season, but we do see some young players come through and start performing well, do you think that will be good enough? Or is he also at risk of maybe a one season they move on and look for somebody else? I don't think um, I don't think it'll be a one season scenario, quite frankly. I think that outwardly the Juve PR machine will always be when at all costs we're, we're taking the league, we're taking Copa Italia again. Um, we're striving for a UCL win. I don't think that that's ever going to change. There's never going to be a deviation. Now, whether or not you want to set realistic expectations for yourself, that's a whole in, a different story. Uh, I think that there, there's going to be some necessity for rebuilding time and just getting the squad to gel back together again fixing the things that maybe were not perceivable to us um, that maybe were Pirlo specific. Um, because of course there are, right? Like there's always going to be personality differences and, and otherwise, but. Um, In a team with Ronaldo? No. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I find that hard like to believe. So, so easy to get along with as he <laughs> shipped his, as he shipped his cars back and forth between Portugal. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think that um, we're going to see whether or not <laughs> it's appreciated or otherwise the the sort of blind spots and, and inability that Pirlo had based on what Allegri does this season. And then, of course, some of that will be just some of the other teams that were more formidable last season or, are not, for, at least in my opinion, going to be the same. Speaking of Ronaldo. You're left on his contract. I believe I saw that he makes $80 million a season, which is a lot. Turns 37 in February. Christine, like you personally, not Pirlo, not Allegri, not Juve, what would you like to see happen with Ronaldo at Juventus this season? Starting with, <laughs> would you like him to be there this season, I guess, is the question. I would have gotten rid of him already. I had a feeling. I would have gotten rid of him already. I would have. Um, only because, 
I feel like it's the inevitable problem that you're going to have to solve. I think that last season we were incredibly too reliant on him uh, to perform. And so when he went missing or he couldn't play or he was just having a bad game, it was, it was noticeable and impacted the whole squad way too much. Um, Especially when you have, it's a team sport, right? Like you can't just be doing this like all willy nilly, like just give it to Ronaldo and everybody sit back and hang out. Um, maybe in his younger years that probably would have worked a little bit better, but that doesn't help for a squad that needs to move forward, um, and rebuild. I don't think there's going to be a one-to-one replacement for Ronaldo. Um, he's a huge, huge chunk of player budget, um, that could be allocated to two or three players. Who knows? Um, I know that everyone speculates and really wants like another big name player to come in. Um, people are harping about Holland and, and of course, like that Mbappe's name gets thrown around. Um, and Hey, maybe, but you know, that, that depends on where we end up with the rest of the squad identity looks like, um, and who would be most effective. I don't think it's reasonable also to think that you're going to get a one-to-one replacement for somebody like a Ronaldo or like a Messi. Um, so I, I think that we need to be a little bit more measured in our approach there. But again, like, I feel like get ahead of the issue rather than, you know, letting his contract run out and then panicking and seeing who's available. And I'm sure that they're probably doing some dil- due diligence now, but to me, like, I feel like why not see if you could have had a few reasonable offers in on him that would have been worthwhile. Um, and I feel like maybe that wasn't something that transpired. We're going to keep you in the theoretical manager role for a second. Cause I wanted to ask <laughs> uh, if they keep Ronaldo, if he's there this season, if you were in charge, if you had, if you were like maybe Allegri's advisor, uh, like what, how would you want them to use Ronaldo? And then if he weren't going to be there or if they were less reliant on him, what would you like to see them do with that attack without Ronaldo? Um, I think probably, I mean, my expectation is they'll probably, as you mentioned, they'll start to rotate and bench people and otherwise to try to figure out what, you know, what the best possible scenario is. But I think that if we're keeping Dybala after all this time, that we need to start trusting him more and give him more confidence. Because I think that that's, for him as a player, he needs it. And I think that that was sort of what we were starting to see the end of last season where he kind of just seemed defeated. Um, But I think more of a, I don't want to say like phasing out, but kind of phasing out of Ronaldo and, and more, you know, use, use everybody else a bit more and figure out what you can do until you have an ultimate solution. Who are the players that you think you personally, like if it's not going to be Ronaldo who has his, name up on like face on banners around the stadium who are the players most likely to kind of take that mantle to become like the players the most marketable players that you may build around because of their talents on the field but then also because they're fairly marketable off the pitch as well um i would say let's see who would i who would i push my chips to the center Mm -hmm. of the table for here right now um i think that let me think real fast okay so we have it's a tough one because you've got You've got like players that have been there for a while, but aren't at that like top tier level that it's going to like turn heads and attract a bunch of people. You've got the veterans like Chiellini and Bonucci, but then do you want it to be the kind of aging veterans that you're marketing around? So it seems like it has to be 
somebody younger, but I refuse to accept it being Adrian Rabio. So I'm just going to say it's Weston yeah, McKinney yeah, no. and Kulishevsky. Oh, see. Or Chiesa. Okay. Could be Chiesa before Graham Ruffin comes say, to the I'm computer like, and right. punches me. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, no, 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 no. We, we have to. Chiesa needs to enter the chat at this point. All right. Um, <laughs> I think that, um, yes, of course, like Chiellini is, I love that man. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to think about, like, the defense without Benucci and Chiellini at this point. But we do have Delict, and I think that he's going to be – he's going to continue to be that guy. And so, like, I wouldn't mind him being the voice of our defense um, going forward. And then definitely Chiesa um, because, again, to the same argument, Chiesa coming over from um, Fiorentina – he exceeded everybody's expectations, was on absolute fire under Pirlo, and then went on for Mancini and just crushed it. Like, I I am so pleased with his just trajectory all in that, like, I'm extremely Chiesa Hive at this point. Um, whereas, like, Kulisevsky, I was equally excited when we picked him up um, last season. And I feel like he is kind of... Um, looking for a place he's still kind of homeless so maybe Allegri can solve some of that um because I think that he certainly has a talent he's young um but like the last season like had a lot of issues and I think that a lot of that is like he just didn't really belong um where Pirlo was sticking him or was just struggling with some of that rotation but um yeah definitely Chiesa comes to mind McKenney for sure um and and I think that that's sort of going to be like the the move forward. Like Allegri likes the youth, right? And I don't think that that's going to change. I think that he's going to consistently keep trying to plug that where he can. That doesn't mean that our sort of I'll call them old timers for the sake of I mean they're kind of old timers um, will you know start to phase out. But I think that there's still a lot of time for us to figure out like who's going to hit their stride under Allegri this season. And I'm excited to see that. I'm, I'm, I want to go back to Ronaldo for a second because I'm still sort of I remain confused by his move to Juve and his time there because it, it was this sort of blockbuster moment. He leaves Madrid. I think it was like 100 million euros uh, to go to Juve. And then like they win stuff. They're always going to win stuff. It's Juventus, but they don't win the Champions League. They haven't quite kicked on to that like next next level. Maybe that's what the Super League was meant to be. What do you think is Ronaldo's legacy or how do you think he is thought of or will be remembered by Juve fans currently? Um, I think my feeling is that like he's good and it's like exciting to have him, but I don't think he gets remembered the way he probably does by Madrid fans, certainly, but it maybe even Manchester United fans. I totally agree. The problem though with that is that um, a lot of the, a lot of the more, uh, how do I phrase this? A lot of the true I'm, I'm Juve, yeah, a lot of the true Juve fans, um, I think, have an appreciation for him, but understand and can logically approach the situation where it's like, I appreciate him for his contributions, but understand whatever shortcomings there might be there. This was fun to have like someone who's perceived as being one of the goats like on our team, and that's good. Do I think that he's going to be lauded for his time at Juve? No. I think that he'll always be Real. Um, 
and then probably united to a diminished extent. But then you have to remember that players like Ronaldo and Messi are very much have their own individual player fan bases and they don't really care what team they're on or whether that team thrives. They just are there for that player. So that influx is interesting. Um, And so no matter what, they can do no wrong. (laughs) I do always enjoy uh, being told that we either haven't talked about Ronaldo enough or have been too critical of Ronaldo by people who have Ronaldo avatars on Twitter. It's like, I feel like there might be, uh, you're revealing your bias a little bit there. But if he's going to be remembered fondly by more people than just Ronaldo stands, but instead Juve fans, like what would it take for him this season? Is it basically like him single-handedly winning the Champions League? Would that cement him as more of a Juventus legend? I think that it would be harder to argue against it if that were to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that would be like the ultimate, but I think that him being part of the squad and depending upon what his contribution is, right? Like you can't take away any of the work and effort of the whole rest of this team, right? Like if it comes down to like, I don't know, like kicks and like Ronaldo happens to get like that last pen and, you know, yeah, fine. We win champions league then like, yeah. Okay. Like he's going down legend status, but do I think that just being a part of it after, um, having like an eh, a so-so season, which, mm-hmm. I mean, again, I put this in context, a so-so season for Ronaldo, yeah. not a so-so season for like, say, a, a mere mortal like the rest of us. Um, I think that there would be a huge difference. And so we've talked a lot about Juventus, uh, the way they've built the squad, what maybe the expectations would be for this season. We should also talk a little bit about the other teams in the league. Who are the ones that from... Uh, what they have done this summer combined with what they did last season, who are you most concerned about when it comes to challenging for the title? Uh, honestly, uh, given that the entire, um, in the wake of the last season, I feel like it's just gone full silly. Um, right. So we have like Mourinho now back at Roma with sorry at Lazio um allegri back at you like i think that those changes alone are going to make a difference but then also the just the personnel changes for teams like inter losing lukaku will be a huge huge issue for them i think like without question um the man was just involved in way too much not only like the goal scoring but assists and and otherwise, he was a huge part of that team, which now has a gaping hole. Um, so I think that um, that will knock them down a few rungs. I think if any team that I'm like, okay, I think that they're going to be equal or if not more formidable is going to be actually Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, they've had it now for for the last two seasons where like they're they're playing pretty and they're aggressive and... And I think that they'll still be a bit worrisome. Um, possibly Napoli. Um, we'll see. Um, I don't know what Roma we're getting out of <laughs> out of Mourinho. Nope. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we can roll the dice and see what happens. But I think that um, there'll be a lot of jockeying from from those sort of top teams ending the season. And- Hopefully we'll end up more, more easily, more, I mean, I don't want it to be easy, but I want it. I want us to be better. I want us to be better. That's what I'll say. Um, and, and then win the league that way. 
That's good. I, I appreciate. I assumed in the end it was Juve winning the league in your mind was going to be the result of the season. <laughs> it's it is such an interesting Serie A season, like more so than I think we've had in a while because. It's as as David I think pointed out. It's like five of the top seven clubs have new managers, and then the two that don't, Milan and Atalanta. Milan at least still have a lot of work to do and a lot to figure out when it comes to that roster. Oh yeah, for Atalanta Milan already. Even last season, Milan had issue issues. Yeah. So like less concerned about them, but yeah, I think that because of all of that, yeah, that's why Atalanta stays sort of at the top of my list for like I see you. <laughs> I just think like and then the depth issue becomes a part there where they have I think we 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 did the math and it was like a mid 40s number of players out on loan so I guess they do have depth if they want to recall some people but that seems unlikely so maybe Atalanta need to make a few more signings to really challenge for that title so it does seem like it's both very open but then also could be one team just sort of running away with it and I think that makes it a really interesting and compelling season to watch from the beginning uh any other teams that you're going to be keeping an eye on this season i'm assuming venezia have like snuck their way into your good graces yeah it's kind of hard not to right like i'm not even going to pretend that i was on sort of like the venezia train from jump there are many many of my friends who have been who have literally taken this ride from with them from like series series c and so um I'd like to see them do well. Like I, you know, I don't want them to like pop in and then just like get relegated. I, I want to see them thrive and, and see what happens. Um, you can't show up and then have like absolute fire kits. And then like, that's the last we see of you until, you know, a few years from now. So um, yeah, they're going to be like my little dark horse. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for them with the exception of, I want nothing to do with them when they're playing um, Juve, which I mean, best of luck to them, but <laughs> you, can root you guys for them in can the moment, but not long. Take term. a nap. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you all are away to Udinese uh, for the opening day. Uh, how are you, how are you feeling about that one, generally speaking? And then who are the players? Like, is there anybody that if they're not starting, you're like, this is going to go poorly? And is there anybody if, if they are starting, you think this is going to go poorly? Um, <clears throat> let's see. So I feel great. I. <laughs> I don't really care. I'm coming in like blind optimism raging um, only because last season was really, really difficult. I feel like I made the right call like match over match, whether we'd win or lose. But um, a lot of those losses or draws that we took were just inconceivable because we were losing to teams we should have been beating. So um, I'm tired of that system. So we're moving on to the like we're winning where it seems logical to win. And that's, that's that we're, we're not negotiating with these terrorists anymore. (laughs) Um, but so I think that, um, not that I'm, not that I'm a hater, but like, I'd like to see Berna playing less. I, I think that that probably, no, um, Chiesa should definitely be starting. Um, I want to see McKinney in there for sure. Um, I want to see Locatelli because that's super exciting, but like, we'll see where we're at with him for this week. I, I don't know. He might still be doing promo photos <laughs> through the next couple of weeks. Um, trying to think who, like, um, I'm a, like, obviously Arthur's out. Rabio, I think will still be out injured. So no big deal. No worries there. I kind of would like to see my, my potential. Uh, maybe we'll see. 
I gotta think. Quadrado. Mm. I love Quadrado. But nobody, nobody, continue. nobody that like you definitely want to see there. Otherwise, you're rioting. Mm, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty okay with with the general selections at this point. Um, I I just think that the the people that I'm like, eh, you know, like too spotty, too whatever. Like so, Kulisevsky, Bernadeski. Um, those would be right now like my like you're not particularly high on my list. Uh, I have one more series of questions for you. It's not about Juve, or not at least directly. It's instead about your dog. <laughs> who I, is, is your dog named after Buffon? She is. <laughs> H- how is that with him having left again? Well, um, I think after... So when he left the first time, I, I think that was when I was just kind of depressed. I, I figured it out. I worked it out. <laughs> I was like, this is terrible. Why would you do this to me? Um, I feel like at that point back then, I was like, you know what, it would make more sense for him to go back to Parma and retire there. Um, if you're going to take your sort of victory lap for your career, mm-hmm. right? Like that, I, if you're going to make a meaningful move, that's just whatever. But I, I'm okay with it. I, I think that this, this final move just kind of for me was like, okay, like he's, he just doesn't want to stop playing, which yeah. I understand. Like, uh, at, like from a fundamental human level of me, probably trying to like play until I'm 103 and die, like playing beer league ball. Like that's <laughs> fine. Um, I too would not want to stop playing. So, I mean, he's had an impressive career. I'm not mad at him. Um, I'm certainly not running out to buy a Parma Jersey. I had a um, yeah, I thought about it briefly. I was like, maybe, maybe Gigi, like the dog, Gigi yeah. needs one. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe no, we'll we'll retire him as a Juve player, and like that'll be it. I'm sure that um, after this, he'll probably end up looping back and be on the coaching staff, which would be great. And, um, and how has Gigi been uh, during the recording process today? She <laughs> she's currently experiencing her uh, croissant hangover, so she's taking her afternoon nap. Oh, good. Okay, nice. Yeah, she's she's pleased. All she's right. she's definitely had her play for the day. All right, good. All right. Well, I, I will leave her to enjoy her nap. I will leave you to enjoy a napping dog and and the peace that comes with it. But Christine, thank you so much for talking Juve and Serie A with me today, and I look forward to having more chats this season. Likewise, thanks, Taylor. Listeners, thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you all again next week.